Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request and I am your host, Justin Lamb. Happy Monday, if you're listening to this on a Monday. Otherwise, just happy day. We'll say that. This is episode 14 with my friend Dan. I am very excited for you to hear this. Dan has known me longer than I have memory of knowing myself. He was best friends with my brother in kindergarten. And if you do the math there, and my brother being almost four years older than me, you can figure out pretty quick that I have zero memories of being, you know, two years old, one year old. So in theory, Dan's known me longer than I've known myself. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear this. Dan was an activist uh, who worked for PETA for a decade and has recently moved back to Michigan from Virginia with his 15-month-year-old, 15-month-year-old, 15-month-old son, uh, and shares a bunch of great experience and lessons, and we have some pretty great discussions, talk about my drinking a little. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I had so much fun talking with him. I had to cut out a lot of stuff. It's still a long episode, but I cut out a bunch of stuff just so you guys wouldn't be writing me angry emails about you know three-hour-long episodes. So enjoy this. It's a great episode. And thank you so much uh, to those of you that have reached out in this last week and all of November. can't believe it's December already. November was a great, great month for this podcast and for me and all your feedback. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep leaving us those reviews and I'll read them on here because that's entertaining for everybody. Without further ado, though, here's my friend Dan. But thanks for coming over. <laughs> this is Absolutely, man. I'm uh, excited to do this. I'm excited to see you. I didn't know you were back in Michigan. Uh, how long have you been back here? Um, I came back in August, so. Oh, okay. What, three months? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you slipped in. Didn't yeah. even notice. I did, too. I didn't <laughs> tell a lot of people. It was yeah. kind of a, you know, quick decision. And uh, just was like, all right, we're, going, we're moving back to Michigan. Well, hey. Didn't know if I ever would. It's a good place to raise a kid. That's, that was a huge, <laughs> huge factor. Yeah. Uh, but I, like I said, I've known you since before I can remember because yeah. you were friends of my brother, best friends, first friends, however you want to phrase it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, think six. you guys consider each other best friends now. Absolutely. To some degree, right. Yeah. Um, six years old. It's crazy. Yeah. So I would have been three. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's yeah, that I definitely, that's all fuzzy. <laughs> that's my parents are still together then. Which were they? They were they got divorced in eighty seven, and I think he moved in eighty eight. Dude, that's so weird because isn't that a crazy thing? Because you know the house on Chestnut Hill before we moved to Snow Apple. If you well, I mean, I don't know if you remember it, but no, I don't. We had a pond in our backyard. I don't. It was remember next that. door to Kirk Morrison's house. I have to. I must know that because before gosh. we moved in with Grandma and Grandpa. Yeah, I I must know that, <laughs> but. but you know, yeah. weirdly enough, I never, th- I don't well, think kid. about you guys ever living with your dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I never knew that. Yeah. I, I knew your dad. You know, I went to your dad's house a couple times yeah. in Florida. Yeah. But um, I never imagined, like, it's weird to think that when I met you guys, you lived with your dad. Because in my mind, that n- never was a time. Yeah, it's weird <laughs> for me to think about that, too. But I mean, yeah. I, I'm like, wait, you guys. Well, that's the funny thing. Because me and my brother talked about that, like. Our timelines are obviously the same, but very different because mm-hmm. the age difference. Mm-hmm. But just hearing that now, like thinking, oh shit, he was like in school when my parents got divorced. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's fucked up to think about because yeah. I was definitely not and I wasn't even in kindergarten. I compl- I've never thought of that. It's weird. I've, in my <laughs> mind, when I met your brother, 
like he just lived in my mind he lived with you and your mom and your grandparents yeah <laughs> but obviously yeah. that doesn't make sense but <laughs> <laughs> i mean in my that's all i remember but yeah. so <laughs> I, yeah. do, I do remember my pond in the backyard because to this day i still don't know how to ice skate and the only time i ever tried was with like a fucking desk chair on that pond yep well, that's how i learned <laughs> Apparently it's supposed to work. Didn't yeah. didn't stick with me. But yeah. what are you gonna do? My whole family played hockey and we all learned to skate. Oh, there like you go. That. So other than social media, I haven't really seen you much right. uh, in the last what, twenty years? Right. So hey. Yeah. I lived in Virginia for ten, so <laughs> Yeah. Um and I want to get into that too and some of the stuff you're doing there. Uh but let's go further back. Mm-hmm. You're born. Yep. <laughs> Were you born in Michigan too? Yes. Okay. I guess if you guys met at that young age, you were probably here. Yep, yep. I was born in Michigan, stayed then, in Michigan. You're the oldest. No, no, I have an older brother. So this is this is. I'm excited to get into this because I don't think I don't I don't know your family dynamic. Mm-hmm. I know there's different last names involved. Yep. I think there's half brothers. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you you fill in the blanks because I. So you're you have one older brother. Yeah. Yep. Same mom and dad. Yep. Okay. Yep, my brother Mike. I don't, I don't even know this guy. He's um, <laughs> he's he's, I think he's five or six years older. Oh, okay, so and he's that's probably why I don't know him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Your brother knows him real well uh, from being at my house. Um, yeah, he. I work with him now. He, oh, okay, he took over our father's business, so I work with him. Nice. Um, he lives here. He lives in Clarkston. Okay, he has you know most of his life, Grand Grand Blank, and then Clarkston. So he look out for you like your little brother he was looking out for when you were younger. No, we had we had a we had a rough <laughs> relationship. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> okay, okay. We're um, super close now. We're like yeah. best buds. But um, I'm yeah, wait, no. I'm waiting for that. <laughs> yeah, we we fought a lot growing yeah. up. Um, what did mom and dad do when you were born? My mom and dad got divorced when I was an infant. Like how how infant? Um, you know? Like months old. Oh, okay, like a few like months right old. Away. Yeah, right yeah. away right away did there did your dad stick around the area yeah somewhat he he lived in i mean when i was a, he lived in novi which as you know now <laughs> is pretty close but when you're yeah, a kid that's yeah might as well be on the other side of the globe yeah, um time but, difference of driving yeah from kid to adult is crazy yeah it really <laughs> is like i remember going to my dad's was like a journey oh, it was yeah. like 40 minutes but it just yeah. seemed like oh my god 40 minutes to a five-year-old yeah <laughs> sleep two the hours whole way there yeah. like yeah, you have to sleep it's yeah. on the other side of the world <laughs> um so he stayed in the area he um i'm realizing now like having a son of my own like that a lot of people don't think about that early time is when you form bonds yeah so what like when you're an infant, obviously we don't remember that, yeah. but you form bonds with people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was, I never was really close to my dad. My, you know, they separated when I was really young. Did um, you, was it like a custody thing where you would go over there like every other weekend or something or, you know, I don't know just, about when I was young, young. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting question. I would like to ask my mom though. Now <laughs> that you bring that up. Yeah. Uh, from probably around, like six seven years old i remember going to my dad's like every other weekend okay um and then i did that until it was probably yeah. you know 13 so you might have done that before then i might have yeah. yeah i'm not sure if i did or not but you and your brother stayed it with stayed at your mom's house with yeah them. we okay. did yeah my mom always had full custody of us did your mom so your mom remarried right or no she did yeah was that later on though no she got married pretty quickly after i was born because um 
my brother Tim and I are only a year apart. Okay. So she um, pretty quickly. You guys are only a year apart? We're only a year apart. So she, yeah, she she met um, the person she ended up marrying, when, obviously, when I was pretty young. Because, like, you know, he's only a year, like 13 months or something, oh, okay. 13 or 14 months. And then I I don't remember being at their wedding, but I've seen pictures. And Timmy and I were a little bit older at their wedding. We were, like, I, th- I think maybe, like, three and four, maybe four and five or something okay. um, when they got married. So were you, you and Tim then, I imagine, were... A lot closer than like you guys and Mike. Yeah. <laughs> did do you think he or did you feel like Mike picked on either one of you more than the other, or were you guys just like the little brothers that he was like? Fuck you um, both. <laughs> I think he. I I definitely feel like he picked on me more, but that might just be my interpretation. <laughs> but I think him and I clashed more. Timmy yeah. was Timmy got along pretty well with everybody. And I imagine up. well, you two being so close together in age, you guys just did you? I I I don't know your dynamic, but. Yeah, it was awesome. Looked out for each other. We did. You know, I look back sometimes and I think of how blessed we both were to have each other so close in age and yeah. have similar interests and similar groups of friends. Because a lot of things that people talk about as being challenges in life, like going to school for the first time or yeah, riding yeah. the bus for the first time, I always had my buddy with me. Yeah. You know, like Timmy and I played soccer together. We played hockey together. We skateboarded together. We <laughs> hung out with the same friends. We played in the neighborhood together, you know, and yeah. like looking back on it, I like I, I loved my childhood and I think about it as like, wow, what a blessing to have like a buddy yeah. your age. Just like Just had a friend all the time. At all times. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So like family trips you know, you have your buddy, you go yeah. stay in at grandma, grandpa's, you have your buddy. Yeah. It's like, I, you know, you don't, you don't realize it in the moment, how lucky that you are to have that. But now when I look back, I'm like, Oh, when I hear people talk about things that were challenging for them as kids, yeah. I'm like, man, that was easy for me. Going to school was easy. Yeah. I'm a best friend with me. You know? That's awesome. Yeah. What, uh, what did your mom do when you guys were kids? She, I don't know for sure. Um, most of my memories growing up, my mom, like bartended and waitressed okay. and stuff. Um, she worked for Chrysler for a long time. Okay. When I was like early teens, I think. Um, but I don't know exactly. She did a lot of like modeling and stuff. So she oh, had like, okay. she did like fashion shows and she was doing like That's unique. Yeah. Yeah. It was unique. Um, it was kind of a pain in the butt growing up. <laughs> did you think, so I was going to ask, did, was that a cool thing for you or was that a... No, it was definitely more annoying than cool. Why was it annoying? Just because friends come over and oh, okay. say shit and, you know, <laughs> it's just like was annoying. You gotcha. know, like it was, uh, you know, I was happy for her. She you had was, a good looking mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was annoying to hear like people come over and say like yeah. anything, you yeah. know, it was like... <laughs> Fill um, in the blank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... Uh, yeah. But she did some cool stuff. She did like voiceovers and stuff, and she oh, did some cool. writing and stuff. So she did some cool like artsy things. That Always was... had creative, creative yeah. stuff going. On. I don't know why I just pronounced that weird. Yeah, <laughs> but no, yeah. she she was, which I think was good for us because she really encouraged us to do stuff we cared about and cool. stuff that was yeah. We always and had your that. stepdad was around. He Tim's was. Dad. Yep. Um, yep. He was around. Long, are they still? Did they get divorced or are they together? They did get divorced. Okay. Mm-hmm. How long were they together? Um, I think like probably somewhere between like eight and 12 years. Okay. So, so you would have been what? Yeah. Well, that only like, I was young. Nine, yeah. 10 years old or something. I think when they, let me think, I must've, I must've been, I must've been, I know it's kind of a wide range, but probably between three and six when my mom got remarried Yeah. and probably between like 11 and 13 when they got divorced. Okay. 
I think. Did you... I remember being in junior high when they got divorced, so I must have been in, like, sixth grade. Did you develop a pretty close relationship with him, though? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's who he's living with you. That's yep. the father figure in your house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm still close with him. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's... that. I mean, that was Tim's dad, right? Right. So I imagine you and Tim being close, that was... Even though you have a dad here, that's that's your dad in the house, yeah. right? Yeah. My, my, my stepdad always treated me as his son. Right. I still call him dad. Um, we have a really close relationship. He's you know, someone that meant a lot to me then and still does. And someone that I, you know, know that I could call on who's been supportive of me and, um, yeah, lucky, lucky to have him. How did the, how did the divorce affect you at that age? Horrible. (laughs) What, what, what direction did that send you down? Oh, well, that's probably the version of me that you probably remember the most. Is that what, that's when skateboarding and stuff started, right? Yeah. (laughs) I I rebelled, man. I was like the, like the textbook rebellion against yeah. my parents for like well, that that's, that's the pissed. time because uh, it's funny when i look back and think of the stuff that i liked and i mean obviously me and adam had a bigger age difference mm-hmm. uh, i liked stuff that i stole from him yeah <laughs> uh so yeah all that stuff that you guys started like i was like oh skateboarding yeah i like skateboarding too yep we get a little veriflex board and you guys yep. can go get your cooler stuff but uh yep. and then that's where I first found out about a bunch of bands. Yep. Uh, I remember when he got his first CD player and he was getting like Primus and crap like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, those are the memories I have of when you guys are hanging out. Yeah. And you guys, what age does it happen that you guys have a fucking half pipe at your house? Oh man, that <laughs> was so cool. I remember when that happened and like my mom was coming to pick up Adam from your house and I was like, what the, what the fuck is that? <laughs> just this little kid in the back seat, like, it's a fucking, like, the kind the shit you see on TV skateboard yeah. ramp yep. next to your guys' garage. Yeah, that was so cool. Was this around that time? Yeah, it must have been. It must have been right around the time. I can't remember if he was even living with us when he built that, but my, my dad built yeah. that. Oh, okay. Um, I can't recall if he lived there or not when, he, when that happened, but it was right around that time. Did he, like, did him and your mom maintain a like a good yeah relationship after mm-hmm. that fact yeah okay. yeah as far as yeah i mean i think there was probably some years in there when i wasn't really paying attention when i was younger um but even but it now wasn't, like, like toxic that you nah, guys they're cool still. see them fight and everything like that yeah okay. no and now like you know i just had like my birthday party like they were both there like they can right. come around and civil yeah Get it's along. totally cool yeah mm-hmm. that's cool yeah so tell me about the rebellion phase. <laughs> I like, like I said, man, I was like textbook, just like pissed off. Yeah. Like think I'm already a man at 13 and was like, fuck you. I'm smoking. I'm going to do drugs. And, and has Mike moved out at this point? He must've been pretty close to moving out. He actually moved in with my, with Sean, my stepdad. Pretty, oh, okay. Like after he moved out. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's gotta be weird for, for your dad. You know, that, we were all I mean, so close yeah. that it didn't even, even like my dad and my stepdad were close, which okay. is like not unheard of, but yeah. like at my grandma's house right now, like I was just there the other day, there's a picture of my dad sitting on my stepdad's lap and they're like <laughs> laughing and joking, you know? And it's and like looking at it. That is unique. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, when I look at it, I'm like, man, those dudes were like 20 and 25 at this time. Oh, wow. You know, which is yeah. weird. Cause you just always imagine your dad is like your dad yeah. and like, just so were your parents super young when they had yeah. uh, Mike and then you? Yeah. Yeah. My mom was, I think, 18 or 19 when she had Mike. So she oh, was okay. like real early 20s when she had me. Oh, yeah. I mean, my early 20s. 
It's a yeah. dark time. <laughs> what is? My early 20s. Yeah. So I'm sure, yeah. I, like, it's, it is funny to look at, think of our parents and the mental state that they must have been in. Like, when oh. we get to that age, and we're like, oh. oh like, yeah. shit, if you're talking about, like, 23, she had you. I know. 23, I was, like, moving back from L.A. and being like, oh, my God, what did I do the last two years? <laughs> Seriously. Isn't that weird, though, when you yeah. put it into perspective? Like, yeah. my mom, at my age, was a grandma. That's crazy. I know. <laughs> she was at my house the other day. Cause, you know, I had a son a year ago. Yeah. And I was talking to her, and I started, like, kind of doing the math. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And I just turned 40. So I was like, when you were... Oh, you 40. already turned 40, yeah. Just did, yeah. Adam's not till December. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> wow, that's like weird to think. Like, I can't yeah. imagine being a grandfather right now. Yeah. It's weird to even say that word. So that was Mike had kids young? He did. Okay. Pretty young. I mean, I mean, normal age, like, you know, early 20s or whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, his, his firstborn son, so my nephew is like 20 now. What? Yeah. How crazy is that? It is weird. <laughs> it's so weird. I still, when I bring my son around, I always say, I always refer to Mike's kids as their uncles, but they're yeah. their cousins. Yeah. But they're so much older that I'm always like, oh, this is your uncle Tyler. Yeah. Tyler's 20 and he's definitely my son's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. It's just weird to think about because in, in my mind, like adults were just always adults. Yeah. You sometimes forget yeah. that like grandparents were kids. And my, my grandma sometimes talks about being a kid she just was the other day she was talking about like playing sports as a kid and i'm like oh shit you were a child at one point <laughs> you weren't born a grandma you didn't just come out making bomb ass soup yeah like, <laughs> and knowing how to throw holiday parties like you were a kid she came out in a old dress and an apron just <laughs> right chili pan and <laughs> right grandma that's what you imagine yeah like yeah. benjamin button shit <laughs> exactly yeah you can't imagine them yeah. being kids it's like yeah it's uh, age is a weird thing it is like at this point my mom would have been divorced and living back with her parents right i'm like what with two kids yeah i can't even fucking imagine exactly it creates empathy so that's good but i think it also if you're not careful can create even more judgment (laughs) you may already have your parents you may like wait you did what at that like right i'm more responsible than you were (laughs) which you know (laughs) that happened to me the other day talking to my mom she was like talking about my dad her doing something she was like yeah this happened in vegas like right after you're born and i was like wait you took me to vegas she was like no you were home with grandma i'm like you left me with someone else like (laughs) yeah i was like what i was like kind of pissed i'm like wait yeah that's funny yeah i was like what are you talking about i was an infant (laughs) what the hell were you doing in vegas you make better decisions mom (laughs) yeah 25 years ago (laughs) yeah exactly 40 years ago yeah i was thinking what the hell are you doing but yeah and then i think about it like she would have been like 23 or something, 22, yeah. 23. So it's like, you know, going to Vegas, whatever. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. So what's, uh, what's junior high, high school like? Um, all good memories, man. I feel like I had a pretty blessed childhood in general, really yeah. from start to finish. Like I really do feel like I had a really blessed, really good childhood. I mean, I went through struggles like people do, you know, figuring yourself out and yeah. getting into trouble and, you know, feeling bummed about shit that in the grand scheme of things might not be something that should bum you out as much as it does. Um, but I liked it. I liked, I liked being in high school and yeah. and junior high and, you know, I liked the social aspect of it. Yeah. I didn't do well in school, it's, same. but it was fun to be there. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's weird too. When you're there, you're like, fuck, I can't wait to get out of here. And then you get out of here. Like school was awesome. Yeah. yeah I, I, I had the, then every day. I was opposite. 
I like I didn't want to get out of there. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to graduate with everybody because I didn't want to be that guy that was like left behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, I saw nine eleven happen live at the high school. Oh, that's weird. Even though I graduated the year before, I went back there to use the. Cause, so we got like state of the art media studio, like TV studio. So I went back there to use the equipment one morning. It happened to be September 11th. So I literally watched the whole fucking thing go down because I got there at like 7 a.m. So I watched the whole thing happen. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you always think of where you were during that. Yeah. It puts a lot into perspective for like age too when you talk to people. Like, what were you doing that? Like, Well, and it's it's tragic, but like in a, in a, like a beautiful tragedy sort of way, I'm super glad that I was there because it's, it kind of, it's such a weird thing, but way off track i'm sorry but <laughs> it kind of bums me out when i hear people be like yeah my mom woke me up at like 10 30 and was like hey get up school's canceled because this right. thing happened i was like yeah i like watched the second plane go right and like yeah. I, I think i would i don't know it, it's weird i it, you always try to take something away from things that maybe more than other people or whatever romanticize your own story but mm-hmm. i don't think i would be as affected or passionate about that like world event if it just happened and I was alive. But right. the fact that I like was able to witness it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you're going, I was in a bunch of a classroom with a bunch of kids and then the teacher was speculating like civil war deaths versus how many people were in those buildings working at the time. Like we were going through all this different stuff. And so like, I have that, you know, and yeah. it's not just like a, yeah, woke up at 11 right <laughs> had was supposed to had, was supposed to have class that day like, right those stories i'm like oh that i mean i want to say that sucks for you I, <laughs> but it's like, it sounds like you had a very mature like um experience with that where a lot of people was, your age probably weren't necessarily having like a mature experience with it well so i, I mean i guess that makes sense yeah uh you definitely talking about it right now. We're much more self aware than probably a lot of people were at that age of like what the fuck was self-aware. happening. I'm proud of my self awareness. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Are I, you good for you? It. It's also like it's pain in the na- it's pain in the ass. Like if you're a self aware person, you are in a constant battle where you're like you know you're rationalizing things, yeah. but you're also like but, but fuck you, right? Right. <laughs> uh, right. But yeah, no self awareness can be a bitch. Um, but yeah, so high school, good for you. <laughs> um, yeah. The social aspect, yeah, the social aspect of high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I know everyone doesn't have a pleasurable experience with high school, but I, I did. Yeah. yeah, I was very lucky. I, I had a lot of fun in high you school. You guys had, I mean, as far as I knew, you guys had like a, a tight group of friends too, and that, like, that seemed. I mean, to this day, you guys kind of have like an unbreakable thing. Like you, yeah. Adam, Terry. Right. I don't know how close everyone is with Terry anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you, you, you described it correct. Like we have an unbreakable bond. You know, yeah. we all took a, an embarrassing picture with our shirts off Fuck, i love that picture like st- and dude that thing resurfaces every like yeah. five years to i'm gonna haunt f- me. i might find it to post you for will. this podcast someone will <laughs> it always comes back and there's like uh so the divorce obviously had some impact on you is there yeah, anything totally. else like pre-graduation that you that kind of might have changed your course a little or your perspective or no that i think that was probably the biggest thing that really put me into at least i think that that was what put me into like a pretty rebellious yeah stage like i was i was really pissed off yeah. i felt very betrayed by him leaving you know i felt like i took it like very personal yeah um and was just like at that perfect age of like i'm i'm pissed and i'm gonna yeah. let everyone know i'm fucking pissed you know so i went through a lot of like the 
typical pissed off phases. You get in trouble a lot. Got in a lot of trouble. Yeah. yeah, just sock, just like totally like went down this path of like testing the waters with everything, like wanting to do drugs, wanting to sell drugs, wanting to hang with rough crowds, yeah. wanting to get in fights, wanting to steal things, and just whatever I could do to be a shithead, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I'm one of those people that could have gone down a much different path had i not been so lucky to have so many people care about me yeah you know my mom always stuck with me no matter what my grandparents um i you know i was very close to my grandparents like you guys yeah are too and um yeah just like you if you have enough people that care about you not that this works like this for everyone but yeah. i did i had enough people in my corner to make sure i didn't get too far off well there's a lot of people out there too that that assumption from the outside is that they do have that and mm-hmm. they don't you know right so yeah no right I, and that's, it's, it's, you got to give yourself some credit too. Cause obviously like, it's nice that you're giving people your environment credit, but you also have to pull yourself out of that when you get to like a certain level, right? Like yes. there's something in your head, I think in everybody's head where, uh, you're like, oh, okay, I can continue mm-hmm. and fuck it. Right. <laughs> or I like, I might need to cut back on A, B and C. You're right. Um, I mean, we, you lost, or I was going to say we lost, I'll say we lost, but, uh, can't think of his name right now so i don't want to say that uh someone didn't he die from alcohol jamie yeah mm-hmm. yeah yep and that was i mean that was shit that was almost 10 years ago now or longer no that was right about that time yeah because it was right after i moved to virginia that's crazy so mm-hmm. like there's people that can continue down those paths right so you got to give yourself some credit to like i didn't you know yeah no that's a good point and, and i think that the only way people really do get off those paths whether they have support from other people or not is when they decide to yeah I mean, well that's really... yeah, anybody that needs to get off any <laughs> yeah. any bad habit or anything yeah. you realize you got to make that choice it's got to be you yeah. you know even when i went into like my mom put me in like therapy and stuff yeah looking back at it i'm like you do have to make the decision yourself hmm. you're not going to quit doing anything bad for you until you want to yeah you know, no one else can, no one can scare you into stopping or tell you something that's, you know, those, they can plant seeds that might help you grow later. Yeah. But you have to ultimately just be like, I'm changing. Yeah. And I did kind of have that moment with like, that you described, like I had those moments along the path where I would stop and say, man, I gotta quit doing this. <laughs> you know, yeah. got, something's gotta change. Well, that's where the self-awareness comes into play sometimes yeah. too. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's the one thing I, I think I resent my mom for but also appreciate what she did is constantly drill in my head like don't drink your dad's an alcoholic you don't drink like you're you'd be an alcoholic too like you're right. susceptible blah, blah blah and so anytime i tried anything i was always in my head i was like oh i could become addicted to this right right <laughs> uh, runs in my family yep um and so i'm thankful for that but at the same time i was like god you talked a lot of shit when i was a kid right <laughs> well but, you know i, I as as a as a new father only a year in yeah. obviously i'm a long ways away from those discussions but i'll tell you right now it's the thing that keeps me up at night the most is thinking how where is that line yeah. between providing my son with enough not spoiling him but also teaching him value yeah. and steering him right based on what you've learned but also giving him freedom to learn on his own like that's, yeah, that's terrifying dude i can't i can't imagine that's one of the things terrifying. that like scares me about being a father <laughs> like, it's terrifying about i mean just being a fucking parent is yeah and i think growing up where you and i grew up yeah. we had a really good mix of like super wealthy 
people yeah. around us who got everything handed to them yeah. and then completely fucked up and became addicts and, yeah. and you know, went down horrible paths. Yeah. And people who grew up without shit who decided to work hard and be good yeah. and come out of crappy situations. So we had like a good mix of seeing that. Yeah. And it made me realize like you can't provide every single thing for a child because some kids go down the wrong path because of that that sense of entitlement and being spoiled and sometimes yeah. don't respect other people and things because of that. But you also, when you have a child, you look at them and you think, I'm going to do everything to make you happy <laughs> at all times. But like, that's the, the thing that scares me the most is like, where do you draw that line of like, Hey, I'm going to say like your mom's, out at the time. <laughs> when your mom's saying that stuff to you, like yeah. she, you, her intentions were great. Yeah. You know, you might look back and go, shit, my mom was saying, Hey, yeah. don't drink. You'll be an alcoholic. Like, your dad you have this in your genes but and like but every that always comes from a good place but as a parent you're like how do you fucking get this out right i don't know the timing on that was funny just because it was like i started wearing punk (laughs) t-shirts she was like you're doing drugs now huh right no not for another like four years mom (laughs) (laughs) come on uh i just like punk music right um but yeah that's when that started that drilling started there and sometimes punk music keeps people off drugs yeah that's funny thing, because, uh, yeah, parents look at your Misfits t-shirts with the skull on them, and they're like, mm-hmm. oh, he's doing drugs for sure. But, yeah. like, half of that scene is all straight edge. Totally, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. It's just learn a little bit more about it. Right. What are you going to do? Yeah, yep. so that's what you can do as a parent, just learn stuff. So the thing that scares me about becoming a parent is uh, fucking devices. Yeah. <laughs> like, I told Erica, I was like, maybe we should just get a place up north, and then we'll have a kid, and then we'll just not let them know the outside world exists right. for a little while. Right, because there, there is parts of you that want to do that. Like yeah. it's it's like like it sounds nuts, but then there's sometimes I'm like I'm just gonna take my son away and hide with him yeah. and just enjoy him his whole life, and then next thing you know, you're on some weird TV show about how you lost your mind and kept your kid in the basement. <laughs> it's cool though; he doesn't know about Trump, so <laughs> he just loves me. Yeah, <laughs> he thinks I'm awesome. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, my kid will raise him. Raise him. I think my partner and I have. Um, a good balance of like discussing things like that. She really keeps me in check on a lot of yeah. things. Like at first I was like, on this path of like, we're going to keep the TV away from him and phones away from him. And then she was kind of like, you know what though? Like if you need to whip out your phone to get through a dinner, sometimes out in public, whatever, you know, you, yeah. you know, you know, you got to find that balance that works and not beat yourself up about like, oh, I have to learn how to parent without a phone. Yeah. And, and since we let our guard down, like, you know, sometimes we go out to dinner and we're trying to eat and he's not, we're like, let's watch Pete the Cat. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I can't imagine that decision, like, cause that's, you know, as an outsider, you almost instinctually judge. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, I used to do it. But shit, if I'm putting myself in their shoes and you're at your mom and dad and there's the kid and the kid's like. I'm going to scream until you right. give me something to look at. And right. everyone in the restaurant's like, I fucking hate that kid. Right. Then yeah, give them something to look at. Totally. I, I, the logic's there, man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's amazing how much you see everything differently. Like when you become a parent, yeah. like you're like, Oh, now I get why parents do this. And you also start to have a different respect for your parents. Like hearing you tell me that your mom said that to you. Yeah. Like you have a different respect for parents as like, they do stuff that drives you nuts at the time, yeah. but it, and even still, like my mom still drives me nuts all the time, yeah. but it's always from a good place. You know, she'll call me and get yeah. a, like worried or something. She'll be like, I haven't heard from you. And 
four hours. I'm like, Mom, I've lived on my own for 20 years. What are you talking about? Yeah. You didn't talk to me for four hours. But it's because she cares. you know. Yeah. And at first, it's kind of annoying. She's like, why did you text me t- twice and then call me twice and leave me a voicemail and you're worried? I'm at, I worked an hour later than normal. Yeah. When it's like, that's because she loves me and cares about me. Yeah. And like, no matter how old you are, you're still your mom's baby. Yeah. That never changes. Which is, uh, there's well, one thing I want to, the like eye-opening thing that I heard in a show, in community <laughs> of all things, which is not a show you think you get wisdom from, but um, the character talks about how one day you realize your parents aren't gods or demons, but they're just like people, mm-hmm. just like you. And that's like the craziest realization I think as an adult is just seeing your parents as human beings. Like, wow. Flawed human beings. Yeah. Dude, that's like that's fucking people. That's really great. <laughs> well, because that's what that's. I think that, that might be a sign that you're an adult. <laughs> you can see your yeah. parent as another adult. Interesting. And uh, but I think that door swings both ways. Where you're, you just said like you'll always be your mom's baby or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I think the parent sometimes has to be able to see you as a an wow. adult person too, and that will add like a whole other level yeah. to that relationship. You know. That's so interesting, dude. That's. Yeah. I think hearing you say that, I think I might have realized that I just became an adult like six months ago. <laughs> Seriously. I'm not even joking. Like, well, there think, you go. I think that's the first, now that you put it like that, like I just really started seeing things differently. It's a, it's a, definitely a perspective it is. switch, you know? Um, totally. Because we grow up as like our parents are the providers of everything in our lives. Like, right. Without them, we'll die. But then you get older and you're like, oh, they're... They're just people. Like, right. Yeah, that's cool to hear. To to, I like out. that phrase you used too, like they're not gods or demons because yeah. we kind of do that. Yeah. Like you think about like times when they were either being God or oh, a yeah. demon, you know, Hold not that, that they were just being them. a person. <laughs> I was, uh, when I, I, my therapist brought this up because obviously I talk about my fucking mom because I'm a child of divorce. But, right. Uh, you know, we're talking about, I talk about shit like, oh, I didn't have this or like this pissed me off or like talking about my dad and shit. Mm-hmm. And she's like, do you think your mom could have done better? And I was like, well, no, she's like, not in a bad way, but like your mom did the best she could. Right. With, right. Like being a single parent, living with her parents, having right. these two kids, going to school. Right. I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah that's, that's fair. For real. Um, Especially having people like me and Terry over there every day, <laughs> making things more difficult. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, the, the parent thing is, is it's, it's an interesting perspective change when you grow up and kind of are able to see, I mean, my opinion, mm-hmm. see your parents different. And totally. It's very yeah. Strange. It changes everything. And I'm sure as a parent now, it's even di- more different for you. Cause yeah. then you can really relate to some things that you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Really? Like, and it makes it like, like even hearing you say like, what did your mom do when you were young? Like makes me want to ask my mom. I yeah. don't even know. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot know. of people don't know that answer. Yeah. And, and I, I guess I never really thought about it. Cause my mom always has, pictures and pictures and pictures of her at state farm like yeah long before i came along so right but yeah a lot of people that sit in that chair don't know the answer to that question Seriously. it's very strange it is like yeah. they know what their mom did when they were like five or six but yeah like what were your parents doing right when you were born yeah <laughs> i'm like super interested and in i'll probably be calling her when i leave here to be there like go. hey what did you what were you doing when i was born I'm glad i could help yeah um before Why'd you I... pay for that trip to vegas <laughs> <laughs> did you win anything right okay so after high school, what are what are some bigger bullet points between high school and you moved to Virginia? Um, I think I went through. I I like. 
I partied way more than I should have. I, I had a ton of fun, but um, I definitely like just kind of didn't care about things mm. for a you know, it took me a long time to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Until I moved to Virginia, I had no idea what How I wanted to do. How old were you when you moved there? Uh, what a, must have been 30, like okay. right around, like maybe late 20s. Yeah, must have been right around there, between 28 and 30 probably. Um, but I had a ton of fun. You know, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I, I changed and grew a lot, but it just took a long time. Yeah. You know, a lot of people I knew were already getting married and starting careers and stuff, and I was nowhere near that. Yeah. I was, like, still partying. And Do you have any big long-term relationships in that time? Yeah. Okay. Yep, I um, I dated uh, Jenny, who's from Clarkston. For I like, literally forgot about that till just now. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were together for about thirteen years, twelve, thirteen years, or something like That's that. That's a long time. Very long time, longer than most relationships yeah. and marriages. Me and Eric are about to hit 13 years congratulations um, since we started dating that's awesome but that's yeah so that's crazy to think about you were already in a 13 year relationship yeah. yeah we grew up together she was yeah i was 21 when i met her she was 17 yeah. and uh you know we grew up together um and we moved to virginia together oh, okay i didn't know that that's yeah crazy. we moved to virginia together uh, we were we were both growing apart but not exactly realizing it yeah and we thought our relationship was having trouble and we thought that moving would help that but you know it doesn't you're growing as individuals and not in the same direction yep and uh you know i don't really talk to her anymore and i don't really know too much about her other than she met her what i think is her current husband in virginia and has kids and is happy and that makes me happy she still live out there do you know i think she moved back here okay i think she moved I'm almost positive she moved I back to Michigan. I go on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, she. I think she lives back in, and I honestly can say like, I'm just happy for her. You know, I, I yeah. hope she's happy. I hope she found happiness. Like, I, I have no animosity towards her. Like, I, I think she's a great person. I want great things for her. I think it's kind of cool to think that, because when we first broke up, I thought like, oh man, she kind of went to Virginia for me. Like she went there to because I pursued a job and a career that I wanted. Yeah. Um, she had just graduated nursing school, nursing school, but it worked out great for her. You know, she, you know, met the person she's married to as far as I know. And, uh, you know, I think it's kind of cool, at least when I look back to think, well, that worked out well for her. You know, you can't hold on to that anyway. It wouldn't mean. Right. So everyone's kind of responsible for their own decisions at that point too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm happy for her, but that was a, that was a long relationship and a lot of growth and changing during that. 13 years. I mean, I, I let most people I talk to, I'm like, oh, yeah. like in my head, I'm like, well, my, me and my wife been together longer. Right. But I can't beat that. Yeah. A long time. <laughs> Almost. Another couple of weeks. A long time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It might have been like 11 or 12. It's like between 11 and 30. Yeah. I feel like I remember being 12, but I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I should remember. Either we way. Used to, we used to always say. Over 10 is We used to always <laughs> say like, cheers to five years. Cheers to six years. And I remember it being in the double digits okay. <laughs> yeah that's uh, i mean that's a long-ass relationship yeah. especially at a time when you're like one of the more developmental times in your life yes um, yeah for real because that's yeah was that and were you guys ever like on again off again or were you together the whole time yeah, we were together the whole time awesome yeah she was she was in high school you know i was I, I when i look back on too like obviously when you get older age doesn't mean as much but at that time like you know, I was 21, she was 17, which is a big difference at that age. Yeah. But I was definitely in a 17-year-old place mentally, yeah. <laughs> you know. I was definitely, like, Party I mean, we met, like, at parties. Like, yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. obviously going to the same parties as, like, yeah. 
seniors in high school. Yeah. <laughs> Which at the time felt cool. Yeah. Now that I say it out loud, I'm look, like, at, look at that. <laughs> I was that guy. Totally That's was that guy. <laughs> you were just younger longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very optimistic way of looking at it. I'll take that. <laughs> I will take that. That's funny. <laughs> what takes you to Virginia? I wanted to work for PETA. So then before, I'm going to go back then because yeah. how do you get into, because you're, I mean, it's not no secret. You're like very, uh, you're a large activist with animal rights and, mm-hmm. and veganism. And yep. um, if I read some of your intro correctly you like you you've changed your name mm-hmm. uh you've you've made some dramatic steps in, yeah. in that arena what started that ball rolling so i um i had a, a a bunch of things happen in a short amount of time that got that ball ball rolling um one of them was jenny jenny didn't really like to eat meat a lot okay. so she made a lot of vegetarian meals at home yeah and uh i was one of those people who was like kind of a jerk about it. Like I would like tell her I was going to go out and eat chicken after she like made rice and beans or something. I'd be like, well, I'm still starving. Like I haven't had an animal. Um, but it did grow on me, even though I kept teasing her, I, you know, started to appreciate food a little differently. And within like a short period of time, I had these moments happen. Um, my dad, my stepdad had come home from hunting and came over to my house with venison. We were drinking beer and eating venison, like we had done in the past. Yeah. And he showed me a picture of the deer that he shot. Uh, like, and I was like, it was the first time I was ever eating an animal that I saw yeah. as an animal. You know, the, I hate those pictures. And I made the, I like, was like, wait, what? This is the deer you shot? And he's like, yeah, it's the deer. I shot. I'm like, this is the deer we're eating. He's like, yeah. And I was like, oh fuck, like it just. Yeah. I was like, oh, putting it, a face to your food. Yes, totally. Yeah, and it it got my wheels turning. Yeah. And then um not too long after that, I was at my brother Mike's house, my older brother, and his second born was um he must have been like I don't know, between like, you know, 4 and 7 or something, was sitting down at the dinner table. And his he said, "Mom, what's for dinner?" And she said, "Chicken." And he goes, "Chicken like chicken little?" And she goes, no, not like that chicken. And like a light bulb went off in my head. And I was like, actually, dude, it's exactly like that chicken. Yeah. And I was like, it, I had that aha moment where I was like, oh, man, people kind of that we care about lie to us about what our food is. Yeah. Um, and then not too long after that, Jenny was doing, I think she was doing like a report for college or something. For some reason, she was researching horse slaughter. And I like watched a video and saw it. And I was that was I was like that's it I'm no I'm no longer eating meat yeah became a vegetarian and then when I was vegetarian I was in a coffee shop in Ferndale and I saw a book that was by PETA who I knew nothing about at the time yeah. it was like vegan starter kit and it had like recipes in it and I started looking at that and at this time I'd already been vegetarian for a few months but I was like oh yeah I want to learn about different things I can eat yeah and uh, I read <clears> about <throat> the dairy industry and read about the egg industry and right then was like I'm giving that up. And I did. And then I signed up for PETA. It was like, you know, they had an address where you could like get emails or whatever. Yeah. I started getting emails about local protests. One of the things PETA does is like if you, they'll send you local things. So yeah, it's yeah. like, there's an animal rights group in your area and they're protesting a fur store. And I was like, oh, what the fuck's wrong with the, what's wrong with fur? Like, what's that mean? Like, and I looked into it and I was like, oh shit, I yeah. want to protest. <laughs> and then I went and yeah. did that. And the feeling I got right away was, just, I was just like, I want to do this. Yeah. Like, I mean, they're built on activism, essentially, right? Like, totally. Yeah. 
Wow. Absolutely. Built so the, you were, I mean, you were hook, line, and sinker then for, totally. from the start? Yep. Just like, yep, went right in. I was like, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to fight to help animals. And uh, I did activism here in Michigan for a couple of years, you know, where I would just like would go out and leaflet, hand out leaflets about yeah. vegetarian and veganism, protest first stores, protest the circus, stuff like that. And then uh, got an email from PETA that was like a link to jobs and i was like holy shit i can <laughs> actually do this for a living like i can someone will pay me to do activism and i uh, applied to PETA a couple times i applied to a few different jobs and then got an opportunity to do it and was like let's do it you know jenny was supportive yeah. i was like let's move she had just graduated nursing school so she didn't have like a permanent gig yet and was <clears> like let's go down there and the nursing was paying well down there and we can take that degree anywhere right? yeah, yeah. And we just went to virginia and i started working at PETA. what was the switch that flipped where you go from i'll relate it to <laughs> of all things sorry but i'll relate it to the women's march because i was there yeah uh what's the switch from you're in the audience holding a sign to you're on the stage talking to people like i imagine you just based on your personality, from what I know of you, mm -hmm. you before you ever applied for a PETA job, you were taking more of a of a leadership stance in promoting it, right? Before, yeah, totally. What, what was that? Is that just your personality when you dove in and liked something? That's what you did, or is that like? Did was there a switch that flipped at some point? No, I think I think now that you mention it, like I don't know that I've put too much thought into when that transition happened, yeah. but I think it was definitely um, the former. Like it just kind of naturally happened with like it's just who you are yeah and i really wanted to learn like i really like i think because i didn't pay attention in school and learn i've like yeah. now i want to and i love like reading and yeah. learning and stuff and uh i looked at it right away from like a strategical standpoint because i was like why do people not typically like vegans and i'm like obviously i was like well because sometimes they're annoying because people are assholes right <laughs> but i was like i really wanted to figure out why yeah and i was like and when i started to look into it i was like well a lot of the reason is these people aren't doing it the right way and they're not taking the time to learn it yeah so it's like a lot of times people go vegan and then they want to sell you veganism but they don't take any time to learn about how to be a salesman yeah. it's like you're selling a lifestyle change and yet yeah. you don't know how to fucking do it effectively or without being a complete asshole you know yeah. and so i started learning i started reading a lot of books about activism veganism trying to learn the history of it studying other social movements and i i loved it like i loved learning about that you found the passion yeah i did awesome. yeah and i and um and i think too just like coming from the background we did yeah you know i i felt I've always felt very versatile in a room. Like yeah. I feel like I can talk to a hunter and I can talk to like a math nerd, yeah. you know, because of like kind of how and where we grew up. Like I can, I can sit down with a homeless person and have the same conversation I would have with a doctor, like yeah. not the same conversation, but feel comfortable <laughs> in conversation. I, wish you, I want to hear the same conversation between those two. Yeah, right. see, see how each one reacts. Right. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, what bills do you have? Yeah. All right, you know that I am a fierce advocate for therapy. All right, let's face it, this whole show does not exist without the leaps and bounds that I've been able to make in therapy. And that's why I am so proud to have BetterHelp sponsor this show. Ask yourself this question. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Or is, is preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, I've spent time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation, and it's a big need. Uh, but BetterHelp will assess your needs match you with your own licensed professional therapist, maybe even me one day, 
and there is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's like 15,000 plus counselor network. That's a lot of counselors, which may not be locally available in many areas. You know, they did a whole report on this and it's available for clients worldwide. So when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. And then if you're like me, you know, are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed and you're like, oh, uh, well, with BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy. And guys, I know that waiting room awkwardness. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. No more awkward therapist breakups if you and your counselor aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash friend request. That's Better H-E-L-P and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for my friends out there, my friend request listeners, if you will. You get 10% off your first month of counseling when you visit BetterHelp.com slash friend request. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friend request. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Well, that's always, uh, and I think we're similar in that way where, especially like towards the end of high school and ever since then, I've I've been like a tribe mingler, you know, like, yeah. I was in a punk band, but then I was also like at parties with football players yep. and, like, and no one ever second guessed it. Cause that's just like, Oh, that's Justin. That's right. Um, and Did I you think say a tribe mingler <laughs> you a, mingle between. The I, tribes. No, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. That's just, I like that phrase. <laughs> I'm, I'm batting out of the park tonight. You are. <laughs> I, I, uh, I should tell, take this moment too. Cause I don't want to let it pass, but just to tell you that, uh, you know, I listened to some of your podcasts and do a really good job Thanks, man. of, um, keeping the flow right. Of yeah. asking questions that are engaging and make people think. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, you do a really good job. Yeah, this, uh, it's become just the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> when you when you sent me the in, info about what you were doing and why, I thought, yeah. wow, that is really cool. Yeah, it yeah. was not my original plan, but it, within the first interview, I was like, oh, well, this is what this is going to be now. Yeah, because <laughs> so holy neat. shit. Um, and then it's been such a great outlet for me, like going through i don't know a plethora of shit um over the last like five six years just personal shit um yeah it's uh it's my favorite thing i do and sometimes it's it's a pain in the ass because like editing a three-hour conversation into like an hour and 20 minutes right uh can be a pain in the ass but it's 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 so rewarding and when people reach out after the fact um i've had so many guests already that people have reached out and thank you for sharing your story like it helped me a lot because i've been yeah. going through this like what's better than that <laughs> it's, right it's fucking great so well you've come up with one of those things that was also an, that's something i loved about activism is you can't lose because even if you do it if nothing comes of it it's something comes of it for you yeah so it's like you can't lose yeah you know it's not it's like you have to personally rewarding exactly yeah. and that's important to find things like that in life yeah, that yeah. You, and it makes that's probably why you're good at it because you you don't care. Yeah. You, you, you just like doing it. So and you know, it's, off. it's honest. Yeah. Um, in a way that like most things that people do myself included, aren't, 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I've talked about on here before, I did a podcast for fucking 87 episodes where I talked about craft beer and, and 90s shit. And that mm-hmm. sprung out of me being drunk one night on Two Hearted and watching <laughs> Empire Records. And which is fine. Like, I like all that shit. Yeah. But like, it was just like kind of fun. And it was really irresponsible fun. Yeah. And even that was like a chore. Sometimes it was like, oh, fuck, it's Friday. I got to get drunk and talk about fucking right. scream four <laughs> right so uh that sound like a blast it, it was it was a lot of fun um i have and I, i'm not going to branch too much off but just to explain myself a little i got diagnosed with an autoimmune disease uh last year and the drug they put me on i couldn't drink on and so i was, couldn't drink for six months mm-hmm. and then when i was not drinking i was like oh fuck this is the longest I've not drank since I started drinking. And I thought about that, uh, from a perspective of like everybody I know. And that's probably true for everybody I know. Totally. Uh, cause it's just like, I went down, I I don't want to branch off too much. I'm sorry, but I'm passionate about this. I like hearing your story. Um, so that period of time I wasn't drinking and I was like, holy shit, I haven't drank for so long. And then I started noticing like emotionally I'm responding to things differently. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, did research on that and found out like alcohol essentially numbs a lot of things. Right. Uh, even if it's just done like normally, <laughs> I say normally cause I was drinking a lot. Right. Uh, especially when you travel to Nebraska, like what the fuck else are you going to do? Right. <laughs> so I was, I started drinking again. I got off the medication and I was like, okay, cool. I can drink again. <laughs> and then like another six months went by my, they're called ACE levels my uh it's called sarcoidosis the disease i have that those went up so they had to put me back in the medication so i was like okay i won't be drinking again and then i've been off that medication for almost a month now and i was like i don't think i'm gonna drink when i get off it and since i've kind of altered my perspective on it i don't really want to drink (laughs) so i thought it would be more of like a a challenge and some things are because i'm like when I go to Des Moines, my two favorite bars in the entire country are in Des Moines of all places. Right. Uh, like the bar has 260 taps. It's fucking nuts. Do they have it's a non-alcoholic good. one? Uh, you know, I oh, don't know. You now. I, I'm very, I'd be very curious to know. Um, and I keep finding it more and more because it's popping up more because I think our generation embraced craft beer so much that now we're starting to embrace alcoholism a little more too, yep, totally. <laughs> without even knowing it because it's become such like a, a cultural staple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's it's one thing our parents were drinking, you know, Budweiser's a lot or something, but like we're drinking IPAs that are seven to ten percent alcohol, right. which is a whole other fucking beast. Right. Like, oh, dad used to drink six pack, yeah, but dad wasn't drinking. Right. <laughs> That's a whole different beer. Yeah. Beers. Yeah. So, I think uh, that whole thing is changing, and the availability. I see it because of the availability of of those options. Um, right. But. I don't even know how we got off on this, but that's, so are you still not drinking? Yeah. Good for you. I haven't, uh, over four months. Good for since you. I, since I drink. And yeah. I don't, I don't have really a desire to, mm-hmm. but it's also not something I'm like, nope, not going to do it. Um, right. but even I was making my schedule for next year and I was like, uh, I don't think I probably won't drink in Des Moines. Like I was excited about it at first and like, yeah, now at that point I'll be like a year of no drinking. Right. <laughs> what's, I mean, what's the point? Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel we'll like see. the longer you go, the less you miss it. Yeah. No, I haven't drank in almost two years now. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of went through a lot of the same 
um, stuff that you did. And like after a while, it was like, well, I haven't in this long. I'm yeah. just going to keep going longer. Yeah. And there's well, because it almost feels like, fuck, if I drink, then that number gets reset. Even right. though, like, and the number isn't that important until you think about that number getting reset and you're like, right. oh, fuck. <laughs> but there is a sense of clarity you get Oh yeah. with it that, you know, I hadn't felt in a long time. It's fucked up to think about, right? Like yeah. when you take, like I can name, that's what I was thinking about when I first, uh, that first stint of not drinking. Everything in my life I've gone six months without having, like I've gone six months without eating broccoli. I guarantee it. Like, right. uh, but alcohol never like that was always yeah so it's it's weird to think that the one thing that i didn't ever take a break from and most people don't ever take an extended break from is like literally a poison yeah <laughs> so, that's yeah. yeah it's it's a it puts things in perspective it does and you're right, right that it's ingrained in us differently to not think about it the way you just yeah. explained it we're not supposed to think about it as like wait a minute i'm poisoning myself every night yeah one of the things for me was I always used to say and think that I couldn't deal with tragedy or stressful yeah. situations without alcohol. And now I realize that the, a lot of the reason it was so hard to deal with was because of alcohol. Yeah. That like now that I have a clearer mind and I'm able to actually process emotions instead of numbing them, I found it easier to go through bad things. Yeah. You know, because you're like, I can figure this out. And yeah. I have to figure this out. And I, I was uh... numb it. I was sober last year when we had to put my cat down and that was, I mean, I know people have kids and they don't think the sentence is right, but that was like losing a fucking child. I had that cat for 14 years in some of the darkest fucking time of my life. Yep. So like that was the fucking worst, but I'm so glad that I wasn't cause I under normal circumstances, I would have been like, come back from the vet and just get hammered plaster. Totally. <laughs> cause fuck that's that hurts yes um and i'm i'm yeah i'm so glad i didn't it's so hard to lose i can completely um agree with what you just said about you know losing a cat and it being like harder yeah i think that sometimes people when they do love an animal the way you obviously loved your cat um losing them even if they're like what people like quote unquote think is like old age like your cat's 14 people think oh that cat lived a good long life and they did yeah, but, but i want them till 21 <laughs> well and for you it's like losing like a baby because they they rely on you for everything yeah so it's like when 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 our grandparents die we can at least accept that they were adults and they did things on their own and stuff like that they didn't need us yeah i mean they might later in life but with animals like they still rely on you for love and shelter and mm. food so you still coddle them like a baby whether they're in their senior years yeah. or they're a kitten you still treat them the same way so like losing them you don't get that like sense of like oh well they were older and on their own and lived a full life it's still like no my fucking baby's gone like yeah. my, i mean especially when you go through things and animals can provide comfort well, and the animals have such a like presence and they're a permanency in your home mm-hmm. and then like that's just gone right it's fucked up and i think that that um, that bond that we that we have with animals, like the bond that you and your, your cat obviously yeah. had, it's so much more special because there's like the communication is different. Yeah, it's based on pure emotion, and yeah. you read their emotions and they read your emotions, yeah. and then it's like a pure relationship. Yeah, and, you know, usually we fuck up relationships because <laughs> of our language, you know, because we say things that we shouldn't, and yeah. we say things to hurt people, even if our intentions aren't. Like we screw a lot of things up with our words. Yeah. You know, where if like with an animal, 
It's just this like emotional, like you see each other and you react to each other's emotions. You show love yeah. rather than. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I think that it, it, I, I think that people who don't experience that are missing out when people say, I'm, you know, people like to use the phrase, like, I'm not an animal lover. I'm like, well, you just haven't loved an animal because yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different kind of love. And it's yeah, a I very special. Like one. You're not allowed at my house if you're not an animal lover. Right. <laughs> Right. Oh, fucking dogs and cats, gross. Like, yeah. who are you? <laughs> right. But you? they're missing out because yeah. they're they're missing out on like some of the relationships I've had with my cats are the best. Like, I think of oh, like, yeah. you know, mo- things I went through in life where my cat was with me. You know, and, yeah. you know, you walk through the door feeling like a piece of shit. They look at you like you're the greatest thing in the world, and sometimes you yeah. need that boost. It's like crazy as it sounds. Like sometimes they look at you like you're a piece of shit, and you're like, oh, I need to make especially some cats, yeah. especially cats. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I take back my previous statement. If you're not an animal lover, you are welcome at this house because I want to sit you down in that chair and you've probably got some fucked up childhood trauma because right. who doesn't love animals? And you need some teddy yeah. in your life yeah. to change you. I love help me you. some teddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> getting back on track. So you get the job offer, PETA, go to Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yep. What? So how long are you in Virginia with Jenny before you guys split ways uh, less than a year oh, okay so that was yeah less that was than like a, a last ditch effort for the relationship yeah totally yeah we i mean we went down there grown apart and yeah. nothing changed down there you know in hindsight it makes sense that it didn't yeah in the moment we thought it was going to fix it but um yeah we were we were too far gone and we went separate ways um and again she found happiness i hope she's still happy you know yeah. i'm happy for her um and i went did the PETA thing for 10 years and, and changed my whole life, you know? Yeah. You married PETA. (laughs) Yeah. I had a great experience though. There's a lot of things I, you know, don't tell me about about the activism days when you're, I mean, like getting down there and working for them. Cause I I went, I went like head first into activism. You know, a lot of people that work at, at nonprofits kind of don't, do that type of work in their free time i continue doing that yeah you know cause a lot of, and a lot of times people who are seasoned will tell you not to because they warn you about burnout which is something that i never thought would happen to me but then did um just thinking like no man i'm a badass i can do this i can fucking do activism yeah. all day i don't care if i'm doing it nine to five at work i'm you know i'm gonna i was kind of in that mode of like i'm gonna be fighting for animals every single second yeah. of every day and not realizing that if you don't take care of yourself, you're not doing a good job of, you can't do a, continue to do a good yeah. job of taking care of them. Um, so I did kind of go a little bit nuts with it at first. I was traveling a lot for work, doing stuff every single evening, basically, and weekends. That yeah. was my whole life. You know, I let it take over. My, I was in an activism-related book club. I was hosting volunteer events. I was traveling for things. And, I mean, that was just everything I did. Um and I loved it. I feel good about it. But now that I'm done and have time to reflect on my time there, I, I closed that book when I needed to. Okay. Um, so did you, how long have you not been with them? I left PETA in February of this year. Okay. Okay. Uh, my partner still works there. I'm still a huge supporter of the organization. Yeah. Um, and uh, love my time there, but it was time for me to be done okay. personally you know let's go down the road of your partner and having a kid mm-hmm. <laughs> your kid is how old now uh 15 months 15 months you parents in your months yeah <laughs> dude it's so funny you say that because i just 
had the realization that I was that parent. Yeah. And I also figured out why. So I always thought it was so weird that parents said months. And I was yeah. like, why do they? It doesn't make any sense. Why? Like, How old's little Billy now? Yeah. 432 months. Right. I'm like, now you, <laughs> have, to, you have to do math and you have to. Is that the real math on that? No. Oh, I pulled that amazing. out of my <laughs> <laughs> um, But I, I wondered that. And the other day, I went to Green Space in Ferndale. And as I was waiting for my carry out, the woman at the counter was like, how old's your son? And I said, 15 months or 14 months I think it was last month and she was like oh and I was like I said out loud to her I was like oh man I just had that moment where I realized that <laughs> I'm that parent that says what I always made fun of parents were saying yeah and then I was like I said something to my partner about it when I got in the car I was like oh my god more I totally just told the hostess like our child's age in months I'm that person and I think she's the one who told me but we started talking about it and we came to the realization that the reason you do that is because when you're a parent and you have a child, the difference between yeah. a 12 month old and a 15 month old is drastically different. Yeah. And so when you say it, it, it matters. Yeah. It, it sounds weird when you're not a parent, but when you are a parent, it's like, yeah. if you say to me, Hey Dan, can you take my nine month old to the park? <laughs> I know your nine month old is not going to walk. I'm holding the baby and they're eating mushy food. If you say, take my, 13 month i might be like shit is justin's kid walking does he, he's probably yeah. eating regular food it's a whole different ball game yeah so it's like those few months can be drastically different yeah so it makes why. sense it does it does i had to figure out why i became that person though <laughs> i was like shit i'm that dude yeah yeah <laughs> but it makes sense it makes a lot of sense it does and it only makes sense to other people who have kids that age because it's like Someone tells me they have a seven-month-old or a 15-month-old. I, I know kind of where their life's at. Yeah. You know. I want to address just, and feel free to be like, no, shut up. But sure. uh, you keep referring to her as your partner. Mm-hmm. What is that relationship? How did that end up in a child and her, like, moving to Michigan with you? Yeah. Um, we were good friends um, and dating on and off. Um, she worked at PETA, and we were both in the activist scene. Okay. We were good friends, and uh, we kind of on and off dated yeah you know, we would date seriously and then not so seriously and kind of go back and forth with that and then um we decided to to do it seriously and and be together and take each other more seriously and respect each other differently and uh had a child <laughs> <laughs> um you know unexpectedly yeah and uh and decided we wanted to go down that path together and and be parents together and and raise our son together and you know it, Obviously, you never know what the future holds, but we made the decision that let's commit to doing everything we can to be a family, Yeah, you know, and uh, and then when I left PETA, um, I was looking for jobs in different places and I was and at first thought I was going to stay doing some type of activism or nonprofit work. Yeah. And then it kind of started to set in that I realized I had had been experiencing burnout and I was like, shit, I probably need to take a break from this and kind of figure myself out a little bit more. And, uh, and then decided to move back to Michigan and, you know, talk to her about it first, made sure she was on board and had my back and wanted to. And she was like, let's give it a try. Let's go yeah. to Michigan. That's cool. Yeah. Welcome home. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. It feels good to be home. Yeah. You said you went to Virginia like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. like last 10 years, like anything you wanted to touch on as far as obstacles or anything you, you overcame or stuff you might want to pass on as advice or anything like that. Um, that's a great question. First of all, that's a really good question to ask people in general. (laughs) Um, but for me, 
one of the things about um, getting into activism that some of my mentors kind of mentioned was burnout. And I didn't think I would ever become someone who could have burnout. And I did. And it realized, it made me realize um, like a phrase I heard recently that I've kind of been reciting is that like, you know, they tell you when you're on a plane, if the cabin loses pressure and the masks come down, secure your mask first. And, uh, you know, like as a parent now, I think like in that situation, no matter what your instinct is going to be to put it on your kid first. But if you pass out, then you can't put on your kid (laughs) and you can't put on yourself and it's terrible. And there really is something to be said for that as like a metaphor for life. If you care about things, you have to care about yourself. And it's easy to lose sight of that, especially when you care so passionately about something like I did with animal rights, where I felt like I had to do everything at all times. And that led to me not getting a lot of sleep. Um, Also, I was led to a lot of partying. You know, I just was like doing work and not always with the kind of people I normally would have chose to be around, but I was around people that were doing activism. So it might not have been the person I would choose as a friend, but someone I was spending a lot of time with because we were both working towards the same goal. Um, And that led to a lot of like drinking, which which I was the type of person who smoked when I drank and I was smoking cigarettes, which as you know, leads to eating shitty food, sleeping less, you know, and spending money in, in, in like, it just took me down a path where I, you know, was not happy yeah. and I burned out, you know, and, uh, and I've really, what I've learned from that is how important it is to take care of yourself. If you want to take care of anything, whether yeah. that's the planet, the future politics, your own child, your cat, your home, your job, whatever. Yeah. It's so important to take care of yourself. Yeah. And then that makes you a better person at taking care of whatever you're trying to take care of. Yeah, I think 100% agree with that. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of where I am right now in my life. Like I've slowly started to get back into activism yeah. and, and I'm just now kind of throwing around some ideas for what I'm going to do next because I also had some groups that I started down there like um, social groups where we worked on different social issues okay. like um, housing issues and racial issues and stuff like that. So I got into a lot of other forms of activism yeah. and I'm just now kind of throwing those ideas around cause I want to do it again, but I want to approach it in a healthy manner okay. where I can do, help other people, but be in a good place. To yeah, do yeah, that, yeah. You know? Yeah. You got to find a good balance. You do. Um, it's so important. Yeah. And I didn't realize that in my 10 years in Virginia, I'd, it, I didn't realize that until it was too late. Well, and that's also one of those things, um, circle back what we were talking about earlier, is I think like you can tell people that over and over again, but they right. want to have to, or they, they're the ones that are going to have to make that decision to be like, I need You're to, so right. <laughs> You're so right. Because one of my good friends, um, Chris Holbein, was kind of a mentor to me when I first got into activism. He said that to me often. He would say, don't get burnt out. Yeah. He'd say, what'd you do last night? I said, oh, I hosted this volunteer event and I'm going to the protest tomorrow and I'm going to this slaughterhouse the next day. And he'd say, hey man, get chill out. You know, yeah. you got to find some things that you enjoy doing, you know, watching funny movies or <laughs> yeah. whatever, you know, and like Just unwind a little. Yeah. yeah. He was, he's big into wrestling, you know, and he, he would always talk about wrestling. He actually yeah. got me into wrestling. I got, well, I got, got friends me back like that. into wrestling. That's, yeah. But, um, from the old WWF days. Yeah. And now I'm totally back into it. I'm like full fledged, like watch SmackDown and stuff. That's like funny. I'm a total wrestling nerd. Um, but he, he, he was like, dude, you gotta have like your release, you know? And yeah. I, I started going to wrestling things with him, you know, on the weekends and stuff like local promotions and stuff Yeah, and realized that that was just his, that was his wind down time to like, just, you know, enjoy himself. Yeah. And that's so important. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. 
not really, but kind of, um, and talk about what you could say to someone that might be thinking about becoming a vegetarian or a vegan. Um, I mean, as so my wife, as I said, when you got here, like she's vegetarian, her sister's vegan, her best friend's vegan. Uh, I, I think I'm unique in a way that my friend, uh, Ian, who played guitar in, my, in our punk band when we were like freshmen, um, in high school, he was vegan at the time. And there was a place in downtown Pontiac called Vegetarian Grocer, and we'd go to punk shows and stuff down there. And I'd eat baked tofu and like, I like Morning Star. I knew about all this shit back yeah. when I was like, thirteen, and uh, and that's when you know we got the really fucking rough printed pamphlets off fucking copy shop at the corner. Yep. And so you, I mean, I was exposed to all the not videos because videos weren't out yet, right? <laughs> but. Uh, all the pamphlets, all the pictures, like the whole nine yards. And my takeaway from that was always to this day, you should, if you're, if you're going to eat meat, at least know like where it's coming from and have the, like, for lack of a better term, like guts to fucking watch that video and see yeah. like, this is where your shit's coming from. Yeah. Um, but I also think, I mean, so that's my, my opinion on that, but yeah, uh, I think there's something to be said about just health wise. Like even if you want to start with like not eating red meat, like that's, yep. that's how Erica started. Uh, and then her sister was vegan and, and it s- snowballed into her being a vegetarian and right. being in that household. Like if she's a hundred percent vegetarian, <laughs> I'm like 50% vegetarian because of it. So we're in yeah. 75% vegetarian household, right? but it opens your eyes to like how much uh, red meat am I eating? Like, and that's not to say like impossible burgers are necessarily good for you either, but it's, right. a, it's not going to sit in your gut for however long. Right. Um, so I think thankfully, and you would know this better than I do. I think the stigma is, is going away a little bit. And like, I love your fucking Monday posts every week. Oh, thank Keep you. Keep doing that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. Cause uh, I get updates and it's a conversation I get to have with my wife too. Like yep. uh, it, I love it. I love it. Keep doing that. I will. Thank <laughs> um, you. Appreciate that support. Yeah. And, so I think there's a lot of options for people that are curious and the people that aren't curious could at least educate themselves. Mm -hmm. So being someone that did that for people for so long, uh, what's some of the advice that you have for people that are thinking about it or the people that just might not know much and have that idea of a vegan being like, you know, the classic joke of how do you know someone's a vegan? Oh, they'll tell you in the first fucking 10 seconds. So what, what advice suggestions, anything yeah. you can offer no, people. that's a great question um i think it's important to remember what you and i have already discussed multiple times tonight is that people are going to change when they're ready to yeah. and 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 no matter what you're trying to help someone with or change about you have to understand that like you know you're not going to change someone someone only in changes. relationships and yeah. viewpoints <laughs> exactly yeah. no matter what it is they have to come to that realization yeah. themselves um so that, i think that's important I also think it's important to meet people where they are. You know, um, some people are going to go vegan overnight and some people that's going to be a long process, you know, and and you have to accept that and help people with that. If someone says, Hey, I want to go vegan tomorrow, help them do that. Show them how they can make a quick transition. And if they want to say, I'm going to do meatless Monday, meet them there, support that. Um, and you know, and, and help people come to that point the way they, want to or you know the way that's beneficial for for them um and just like also remembering that 
veganism, or I should say eating meat, eating animals. How about I say it like that? Yeah. Eating animals is very similar as far as our society goes is the way you described alcohol, where the yeah. way it is is ingrained in us and it's taught through our government, through commercials on TV, through our parents, through our culture. Yeah. We've normalized extreme violence for our food. And and you have to remember that when you're talking to people about it. You're not just saying, stop eating meat. You're saying, don't do what you're used to doing every single day. Yeah. Don't do what your mom, who you love and trust, taught you was okay. You know, We're, you have to remember that. That like, if you really want people to think about it differently, you have to undo years and years and years of commercials telling you this is normal, your yeah. parents, people you love telling you this is normal and okay, and society in general saying, this is totally normal. This is what we do to animals. And some people believe that's what they're here for. You have to remember that. that like some people think like, yeah. I think animals are here for me to eat. And you know, you have to remember like when you're talking to someone that that could be where their head's at, yeah. you know? And so the aggressive approach isn't always the, the best approach. It's not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. And I think that be because things are becoming so much more accessible now, yeah. that's growing the movement leaps and bounds. I mean, when I first got here, you and I and your wife were talking about, yeah. you know, Dunkin' Donuts and stuff. And like, yeah. you, every, the fact that like I had Burger King for lunch today, yeah. you know, like I. Shit's good too. Yeah. It's very good. So good. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, they're, it's becoming now accessible for people when you're driving down the street you can pull into a fast food place and get a vegan burger yeah. and you can get a vegan breakfast sandwich and um that will help a lot because we love food our culture loves food it's what when you think about holidays you think about food if i say let's yeah. plan your birthday party the first thing you think is what are we going to eat who's going to make the cake like we center things around food yeah. and when you first tell people like hey you should choose veganism first thing they don't they don't think of what they can gain they think of what they lose yeah. and they're like shit I can't eat anything, but you have to remember that it's not like that. And you have to show people that like when you become vegan, you start choosing vegan, you realize that vegans care about food more than anyone else. Yeah. Like we definitely take way more pictures of our food, talk <laughs> about our food. We, I mean, people think if they choose vegan, they're going to lose out on food. I'm like, no, yeah. trust me. It's the opposite. You will be more obsessed with food than you ever were. Plus you open your palate to trying a bunch of different things yeah absolutely. people people eat the same animals over and over again they eat cow chicken and pig and yeah. do it in a couple different ways over and over and over again whether it's in sausage or bacon or burgers it's the same animals chopped up and cooked yeah when you go vegan you start eating different grains and fruits and vegetables and, and things you didn't even know existed you know you start finding out about beans you didn't thought, yeah, like you know. what the hell's pharaoh now i know right exactly <laughs> quinoa yeah. what the quinoa, where the right? hell did quinoa come from all right. of a sudden exactly yeah. so it's like people think they're losing out and i'm like no you gain you gain when you start eating things you didn't even know existed. Yeah. You, you you start eating colorful meals. You know, you put meat and potatoes on a plate. It looks like crap. Yeah. There's a reason people don't post a lot of pictures of steak and potatoes because it's like an off-white and a kind of brown yeah. with a little bit of blood mixed in it. Yeah. But if you throw a, yeah. a bunch of vegetables on a plate, you take a picture of it. It's like there's red, there's purple, there's yellow, yeah. there's green. It's bright. And I think that, you know, the reason those things are that color is because – they wanted us to eat them. You know, yeah. vegetables are appealing. Things in nature are appealing for a reason. You know, if some if something in nature wants to hide from you, it it evolves to have the colors to hide from you. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's an animal or a, or a plant. 
there's a reason a bread pepper is bright red. Like it wants to be eaten. It's full yeah. of life. It gives life. It wants those seeds to continue. It's delicious. Yeah. And it makes you change. So you, you, you start to look at things differently. You know, I was, I was the standard. I have to have meat to survive. Yeah. Teasing, you know, our mutual friend, Nick Waters yeah. from high school. He was vegan when I, li- I was, we were roommates and he was vegan. Oh, I don't know. You lived with him. Yeah. And I was a total prick. Like I made fun of him for yeah. being vegan I would make fun of his food. You know, we'd go out to eat and he'd be like, try this. You know, they have a veggie burger. And I'd be like, fuck that. You know, I was like, yeah. the, I, was, I was the asshole. You've been at it. both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. But it's because I wasn't thinking differently. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to think about things differently. I wasn't ready to accept the truths of those industries, you yeah. know, and um, it wasn't until I did that I changed everything. But then that also led me down the path of learning. Why the heck do we think about food like this in the first place? Yeah, and I, that's a parallel that I, I didn't even think about is, is how I was talking about alcohol and, and, and the meat industry because that's – it really is. And, I, and if you think about it too, or I mean, you once again, you know all this more than I do. <laughs> but uh, what it's turned into in the last like century, um, the commercialization mm-hmm. uh, buildup. And now leading cause of, of climate change. Right. So – And a lot of deaths. Yeah. Lots, lots of deaths. Um, And it's like, well, that's, and that's the funny thing too, is, uh, alcohol is the third leading preventable cause of death in the country. Uh, obesity is number two. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Uh, so (laughs) put that in perspective. Yeah. Smoking's number one folks. And I've said it before on here. If they announce that, never mind, they're healthy, I would be the first person buying a fucking pack of cigarettes because I love cigarettes so Me much. Me too. But they're so bad for you. Me too. Um, <laughs> I'd be with you. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it, that's, it says a lot about diets. And it's, I think it's important to point out too that uh, not like just because you're vegan or vegetarian doesn't mean you're eating healthy too. Because you could just right. as soon eat fucking fries and Morningstar chicks nuggets, you know, right. like all Every day long. Day, right. And you're going to be just as fucking unhealthy. Right. Uh, but yeah, it does, it does present options that I think most people don't even really think about. And then the, some of the arguments and I, I observe stuff just cause you know, our parents generation, especially yeah, give shit to like my wife and her sister. And like the, the big thing that always comes up is like, Oh, what about protein? Right. Uh, which I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's really funny cause the more, you know, the more they have to defend themselves obviously like i'm going to take an interest in what my wife is right is doing and talking about and you realize like oh shit like you can get way more protein from everything that she's right. eating than you can get from like a standard cheeseburger so like totally that argument isn't valid um, right yeah and, well so you have to think about uh, the motives yeah and um because i've worked at PETA, you know i can kind of speak on from the inside um as you know, for anything to change, um, the first step is the discussion has to happen. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked already about behavior changes, addiction changes, stuff like that. Before that even is ever going to even be a possibility, the conversation has to start. You know, we're just, our society is just now starting to have conversation about how we treat women. We're not going to start yeah. treating women differently until that conversation starts. Yeah. You know. And what PETA has always been experts in doing is getting that conversation started. Yeah, that's fair. You know, they uh, like they are not the reason that Burger King has the Impossible Whopper, but they damn sure 
have something to do with that. Yeah. Because they got people talking about why you would even eat a plant-based burger in the first place. Yeah. And that's kind of been their approach with things, especially the shock and awe things. You know, when, and I experienced it from being a campaigner there. If you throw people on the side of the road with leaflets and dress them up in a suit and tie and hand them, have them hand out leaflets to people about veganism, nobody fucking pays attention. Yeah. And the press definitely doesn't pay attention. Yeah. But you throw people out there with their clothes off and people pay attention. <laughs> yeah. You put people on the street covered in fake blood, the, all of a sudden the media is there. Yeah. And, they, and, and a lot of times PETA has taken the role as let's get the conversation started. Yeah. You know, there's other groups that kind of take over from there who do things in a more, I don't want to say effective form of advocacy because PETA is so effective, but a more approachable form. Yeah. Where they're like, okay, now this conversation's happening. Let's get the impossible opera at Burger King, you know? And <clears throat> I do think that, I think that it's necessary in social change to have someone take that role. You know, like when you, when you look at like civil rights, you know, like with um, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, Malcolm X took a much more aggressive approach and, and Louis Farrakhan even more aggressive it took a very aggressive approach because he's always pushed the envelope yeah. and been aggressive and people want to hurt him because he's been viewed as extreme. Yeah. And Dr. King was complete opposite, but I think you need them both to push a movement like that. Yeah. You know, you needed, you needed someone like Dr. King saying, no, advocate with peace and only bring love into the situation. But you also kind of balance things out with that extreme person who's yeah. like no we got to fucking get on the doorsteps and make some noise i think balance is the key word there yeah uh, without both sides of that right yeah. and even though i've always taken not always but for the most of my you know so-called career as an activist i've always taken a more like approachable way of doing things i still respect the shit out of the people who do it in an aggressive way yeah. because you know if i was a pig right now stuck in a gestation crate and being abused my whole life and about to have my throat slit so someone can have bacon i might prefer someone doing it in a different way than i personally do it yeah. i might not want you out there handing out leaflets and trying to be like yeah i support meatless mondays i might be like no dude fucking throw my blood on someone yeah. and kick down a door and hurt someone and get attention you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know how i would want people advocating for my freedom um, so I appreciate people who advocate in whatever way they do. Yeah. I just found what works for me, and I feel like I've had more effect on my friends and my family and even campaigns that I've been involved in by studying it, being strategic about it, learning the effectiveness of things, and learning the history. You know, like I'm really inspired by your um, description of, like, the alcohol industry because yeah. it's like – also, too, <laughs> when you describe it like that, the way you describe the alcohol industry, like, being ingrained in us and kind of yeah. tricking us and holding these, you know, things in front of us that uh, this f creating a false identity for their yeah. product. It kind of makes you more likely to rebel against it because then it's personal. Then you're like, wait a minute, fuck you. You tricked yeah. me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that happens with a lot of people choosing vegan is they learn about these industries and then go, wait a minute, why do these slaughterhouses hide this, how they produce this food from me yeah. and it's like wait a minute why are these companies saying i need to eat this when they're in bed with the drug companies who now are going to need medicine to treat what i got from eating too much meat then it becomes personal people are like wait a second yeah. 
You're personally fucking attacking me and lying to me. And you're responsible for my family members' deaths and illnesses and suffering. And I gave you money. And I still give you money. Then it changes. Then you're like, wait a minute. This is personal. Yeah. You're fucking with me and my loved ones. I'm going to change. You know, and it inspires people to look into it and yeah. do something different. So I think, I mean, I, uh, I think the overall theme is change, change your mindset or at least yeah. educate yourself. Yes, totally. Uh, anything I think, and that's, I think that's anything you're against educate yourself on. Yes. Uh, whatever side of the, cause I, I don't, I don't get political on here, even though I've made it very clear what most of my viewpoints are. Um, but like whether you're pro this or anti this, like at least know what you're pro or anti right uh know both sides of the argument uh so at least you have that education otherwise you're just either naive or you're a hypocrite or right like just educate yourself there's so much resources out there we live in the age of the fucking internet right it's not difficult to no there's and you don't want to read anything there's fucking youtube videos for like right there's podcasts on it there's like there's a billion options so just educate yourself i Uh, love to I love that you said when you, when you started researching, like about the protein question and stuff, you started doing that for because your wife was vegetarian. I think that's yeah. so cool of you, to Got do to that. Support. Happy that's, wife, happy life. Well, that's really important <laughs> for people to support others that they care about and say, yeah. even if like, just to, just to say like I care about this because you care about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important to yeah. just care about what things that your people you care about care about. Yeah. Even if it's, it's not something that you might, you know, not super into or yeah. whatever that's why know? we've been together for so long it is that's i mean that's that kind of language is what makes a relationship work so prop I, t- to I, you. I don't expect the exact same thing from her because i'm into some weird shit like this curio cabinet of fucking action figures mm-hmm. behind me but yep. <laughs> which i'm into yeah this is the, the the bigger stuff <laughs> yeah no that's important though yeah and uh and especially with um like a lifestyle change like that that is challenged so often yeah you know because people oh yeah people challenge choosing vegan which is funny when you think about it like people are always like kind of pissed at people for choosing compassion it's like even if you don't want to do it it is kind of weird that we challenge folks that do yeah but i think that comes from like a defense mechanism in like our minds that if you tell me something is wrong that i'm doing my brain doesn't want to accept that it's wrong yeah so if you're like hey dude doing this is wrong i'm like no it's not my brain tells me that my brain's like don't listen to him he doesn't know what he's talking about we wouldn't do this if it was wrong yeah. and it takes a while for it to set in and, and so we automatically our defense mechanism to be like no you're fucking wrong you're stupid yeah. you know i mean the whole protein thing is like everyone wants to talk about protein that argument is kind of starting to go away because people are really learning about protein yeah. but first of all all the animals we eat for protein are vegetarians chickens and cows and they don't <laughs> eat meat so it's that's like, a fair point yeah like we're like vegetarians are just cutting the middleman out literally yeah by going to that source and plus i sometimes I, I this isn't an effective way to advocate it but sometimes i just look at people and i'm like do you fucking know anyone with a protein deficiency like that doesn't happen in first world countries. yeah like, have you ever heard of someone being like oh i'm not feeling well today i don't have enough protein <laughs> yeah. or like i missed a week of work because i didn't get protein like it's not even an issue um and it's i'm gonna try to use that though <laughs> take a week off work so yeah, protein. I, I went vegan. I didn't get no protein. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's one of those things that, like, you know, protein deficiencies don't affect anyone who has enough calories. If you take in enough calories, you're not, you're going to get enough protein. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But if people are super into protein for whatever reason, they're trying to build mass or whatever, as you know, you already researched it. Like, there's a 
tremendous amount of protein and nuts and beans. Beans and, are crazy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> all the things that you just think like if you want to eat protein, so people are like, I eat chicken because I'm working out and I want to get big. It's yeah. like, well, eat what the chicken eats. Eat grains that yeah. are packed full of protein. And just all you're doing is cutting out cholesterol because cholesterol, bad cholesterol only comes from animals. Yeah. So if you don't eat animal products like you know you choose completely vegan food you don't intake any bad cholesterol whatsoever that's good i I didn't know that yeah it's a kind of a like a little vegan cheat if you're like when you first go vegan and you're kind of like learning about how to read labels if you turn the product over if there's cholesterol in it it has something from an animal in it oh so one of the quick ways to see is if it doesn't have any cholesterol. I didn't know that. Yeah, cholesterol, bad cholesterol only comes from animal products. So. That's good to know. Yeah, so it's like if you look a fun at, fact. Don't have, use that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you don't. Yeah, so it's like sometimes I'll flip things over. I'm like, if it has cholesterol, I don't even have to yeah. bother reading the ingredients because yeah. there's egg or milk or something in there somewhere. And the shit. Uh, this is the last thing I'll say, but um, the the shit that you find out about that uses animal product like in some weird way yeah like sugar yes like what so weird like it's what is it they use like animal bones to grind sugar or something yeah, to like yeah what and like diet yeah it's so strange uh yeah like there's things like that that i just would never think about and when i think about stuff like that i'm like okay some aspects of this do seem incredibly difficult like yeah because you, you almost have to do research. Like, you're not going there and Domino doesn't have, like, a picture of fucking crossbones on the front of their right. sugar. You're, right. You're like, oh, okay, that one's the bad one. Like, <laughs> but it's, so it's, some of it's fucking weird as shit. But, uh, it is very weird. It's weird. that like, And a lot of them are just byproducts of industries who decided to trick us with their marketing, like what you talked about with alcohol. Yeah. You know, that's where bacon came from. It was, like, the most unhealthy part to eat yeah. in these they were basically like what the fuck do we do with all this fat and they just like if you can right now just recently within the last couple years like the history of bacon became public and it was all a marketing ploy to be like because they had so many scraps we have so much of this let's sell it to people and make them love it and they do and they're like let's let's make them love it to the point where they put it on t-shirts oh my god yeah the bacon culture is fucking crazy huge and And that's probably yeah you want to talk about <laughs> like ingrained <laughs> yeah that shit's nuts and that's a made-up culture of it really what it is too it's those industries exploiting us yeah you know oh, yeah. industries that are founded on ex- exploiting another being like the animal agriculture industry they find ways to exploit us then ins- they exploit their workers you know be- working at a slaughterhouse is the most dangerous job you can have in the entire world they specifically hire immigrants and people they can treat like crap and get away with it. You know, they make people wear diapers and stuff so they can't come off the line. And, um, you know, they're in the business of exploitation. So that doesn't stop with the product. It's And they have tens of millions of dollars they spend on lobbying every year. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. To get away with that crap. That's another number that you can look up with alcohol, too. It's yeah. So much money is given for lobbying. Um, anything that you want to plug or that I didn't touch on or you want to talk about or um no i think uh, i think the only thing that we need to plug is your podcast man <laughs> i think it's really commendable that you you know social media was created to bring us together and obviously we know that it's created a lot of distance and, and brought yeah. people apart yeah. and i like that you took the approach of like okay i'm going to use this to bring people back together and i think that's really cool because well, thank you yeah, I think it's a really neat approach to say, you know what, this tool can be used for good. You know, with any good invention, if it gets in the wrong hands, it can be used poorly. But you're finding ways to yeah make it um, 
make it so that it's a, a good thing comes from technological advances and this Thank is something you. good that comes out of that i appreciate it yeah happy to support it happy to do this yeah i think it's really neat i'm happy to be a part of it i'm happy you're here mm-hmm. and happy and to promote it mondays i unplug that one post because i love that post because you're consistent too <laughs> yeah every monday is that only on facebook you right there yep yeah yep. it's uh good news monday good news monday yeah good news in the vegan world yep yeah That's i started I doing that about. because uh you know i spending time working on animal rights issues there's a lot of stuff that sucked being like oh this animal is yeah. getting killed in this manner this video just came out of this abuse of this horse and this person got caught doing this to a cat can be was, a real fucking downer yep <laughs> exactly yeah. so i was like you know what we need to celebrate the victories yeah you know there's a lot of people working their butt off to change the way animals are treated and they need to be able to say hey look when you advocate for animals when yeah. you choose vegan if it's one meal if it's even if it's just being supportive of people who do it, you're helping animals. And everyone who does that should feel good about Burger King carrying an impossible Whopper yeah. and, you know, Macy's closing all their first stores. Like, there's a bunch of chinchillas that are super happy about that. <laughs> and they appreciate everyone who's ever done anything to help them. Absolutely. You know, they get to live their lives because someone, it can be as simple as just being like, I'm not going to buy a fucking fur coat. Yeah. Well, a bunch of it's mink. It's crazy that that's even a thing. A bunch like of mink are happy that you chose that. so old like generational yeah it's getting to that point where people don't care yeah all right man cool well thanks yeah i'm gonna take these headphones off thank you but i'm gonna keep talking to you (laughs) yeah i am all right you just listened to dan what do you guys think you can follow him on instagram by the way at uh, most interesting vegan in the world uh, he posts some good stuff on there, some great content, pictures of his his cute boy there, and uh, it was so good having him on here and catching up with him. We haven't talked in so long, and he's gone through so much stuff and is very open about a lot of it, and I really appreciate that. And we talked a lot about uh, drinking and what kind of changed my course on that, and you guys can hear more of that. Uh, in a specific alcohol-related episode that's coming in January, so look out for that. And also coming up in January, we got so many good things, you guys. I have some uh, some licensed therapists that are going to be guesting on here, talking about specific issues, which is going to be super exciting. Uh, and they're much more qualified than I am. And please keep leaving reviews and everything you guys are doing, reaching out. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at FriendRequestPod and on Twitter at FriendRequestJL. That stands for Justin Lamb. And seriously, all the messages you guys sent me in November and October um, talking about how this has helped you or you related to some stories, whatever it was, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Please keep doing that. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Just tap the star button, like give us a little five star, and then if you have some time, leave a review. I'm happy to read it on here as well because it's fun for everybody. But thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Uh, December is going to be great. I already have all those interviews recorded. I can't even tell you, but they're they're exciting. And January is even crazier. So thanks so much. Let's keep this going. I'm doing this for you, and you're listening for me. And I want to hug all of you. I love you. Thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>